Nope, we don't want to have uh, those photos. Yeah, with Sujata yet? Just us. Just us, sorry. Okay. The broadcast is now starting. All attendees are in listen-only mode. Fantastic. Hello, good afternoon, good morning, and good evening, wherever you are in the world. I want to thank you again for joining our very first of a series of um, webinars called Insights and in Impact Investing, New Dimensions in Social Finance. The short version is Insights and in Impact Investing. So we want to thank you for joining us, and we are going to move you through an exciting um, hour conversation. We're going to introduce you to our Impact Investing Program, and I want to say hello to many of the alums who are joining us, as well as folks who are interested in the program. So I want to thank you all for joining us today. We're going to be listening to um, uh, having a conversation. There's, our, there's Steve Brewster, who administers the program with us. Um, a great conversation with two of our alums, and we'll introduce them shortly. But first, I'd like to walk you through Oxford. So it's really important for you to understand that where you'll be when you come to visit us in Oxford. And it is um, sunny and magnificent in these photos. It's a little rainy here right now, but the spires are still magnificent. And we want to welcome you to Oxford and to Oxford Impact Investing Program. The series goals are really to share with a global community breakthrough ideas and to build a rich and vibrant global community that shares ideas and help shape the future of an emerging and vibrant impact investing and social investing field. And again, we're all about exchange of ideas, collaboration, and finding new ways to work together in this field that offers enormous opportunity both for financial and social returns. Um, we want to give you an insight, if you haven't been to Said Business School, what we look like and where you come if you join the program. And for those who have been here, it's a walk down memory lane. Again, our objective is to create a world-class community, creating programs and ideas that have global impact. And our students are doing just that, and we'll begin to highlight today some of those remarkable um, women who are, in fact, creating change. The Insight Seminar is, um, is, is really about helping you understand what role women play in impact investing. And, and as someone who also directs the Women Transforming Leadership Program, this was a, a, an issue of, of, of interest and curiosity for me. Um, women Transforming Leadership is 100 um, uh, percent women, and, uh, and this program, Impact Investing, is actually 50 percent women. So the question is why, and that's what we're going to be exploring, how women of influence are in fact shaping the world. We're going to be joined by Xuan Chan and Sujata Lamba, and then we'll have questions from you um, and make this an interactive process. But we want to give you an introduction to the Oxford Impact Investing Program so that you understand our community and who's here today. One of the things that's really important for everyone to understand is who we are in Impact Investing when we come to Oxford. And just on this webinar alone, I wanted to show you where you are, where you're from, and who your community is. We're everyone from uh, Hong Kong, Vietnam, um, Tanzania, Zambia, uh, Mexico, Chile, uh, France, Italy, uh, many Nordic countries. And uh, so this represents 
just part of the community um, that's on the webinar, but also is in Oxford when we do our Oxford Impact Investing Program. So that's who's on the call with us. We have more than 100 people signed up, and we look forward to the conversation today. This is literally what it looks like, and there's actually Sandrine, I believe that you are on the call today uh, with your colleagues, and uh, this is what it looks like um, when we're in classroom seminar, or classroom two, my favorite class, Steve Brewster's in the background, and Alex Nichols, who's our, our faculty uh, director. We, again, use a very specific process um, that's very flexible at the same time. We want to make sure that everyone who leaves the program has a blueprint for impact investing that's developed for you, but also in concert with your colleagues. And this rich exchange allows you to build collaborative relationships and also grounds you in your own um, focus and investment strategy. Our community, again, it represents the, the world. 33% um, of our students come from North America, that's Canada, Mexico, and the United States. We have um, a cluster from the UK and Europe, um, as well as from the Far East Asia and Africa and Latin America. The sectors, the largest sectors are actually almost 60% come from banking, consulting, and that can be individual consultants or KPMG, Monitor, Deloitte, um, impact investment funds and fund managers and foundations. But we have a broad spectrum of sectors represented. In addition, I want to emphasize that unlike any other program, it is 52% female and 48% male. And so we're going to explore why. Um, many of the participants come from traditional finance backgrounds, are moving into impact investing, and bring with them unique skills. We're really there out of curiosity, too, to understand what women offer the field of finance and this burgeoning field of social finance. This is who we are. Um, Gail Peterson, I'm the program director at uh, Oxford Impact Investing Program and senior managing director of, an, of a nonprofit international consultancy called Partners for Change. Xuan Chan is director and founder of Blue Drum Ventures and director of development from Permian Global Fund. And Sujata Lambda is the director of finance and private sector development, global competitive industries for South Asia at the World Bank. Both Xuan and Sujata have come from the private sector uh, finance field and are moving into um, social finance. Um, their season, their experience, and they'll be uh, we'll have an interactive process of asking me asking them questions and them responding. But I'd first, Sam, are we ready to go live? Mm -hmm. Yeah? Hang on a second. We are moving through our technology, our wizard. Sam is here. So, Schwen, can you hear me? Yes, I can. And Hi, Gail. Sujata? Yes, thank you. Fantastic. Welcome. Welcome. It would be great for the two of you um, to actually, and Shwen, why don't you get started, talk a little bit about your journey from private sector into social investing and social finance. And, and then Sujata will turn to you. So we get a little bit of history of where you've come from and why you ended up at Oxford Impact Investing Program and what, what work you're doing right now. 
Thank you very much, Gail, and uh, hello, everyone. I have a background in, uh, in financial markets. I've spent 20 years in both banking and asset management across Asia, Europe, and the US. And before I transitioned into the impact investing sector about five years ago, I was a part of a founding team that established a boutique asset management business based in London. So my expertise has been in structuring investment solutions and I've always felt comfortable navigating in more entrepreneurial environments. Uh, the fund that we managed uh, at its peak uh, was about 30 billion US dollars to institutional uh, investors. So there's one thing that was missing, I felt, in, in my career, and that was that I felt mainstream finance was not taking enough of a more responsible and sustainable approach. And so an opportunity, opportunity arose uh, when the company I was uh, working with was sold, and I subsequently had um, a chance to set up my own advisory business in the sector of what, what is known as social finance. And I have been since then working on various projects uh, on what, what I call the demand side, so working with nonprofits, social enterprises on the ground. And in the last few years, I've been helping to establish a new investment proposition centered on mitigating climate change through the protection of forest and natural capital. Fantastic. Wonderful. Sujana? Well, yeah, thank you. Hello, everyone. Good morning to most of you, maybe good evening to some of you. Uh, my journey began about, well, 37 years ago uh, when I joined a commercial bank. And I had 10 years of commercial banking in Asia and the Middle East. I worked in Kuwait. And then when I came to the United States, I joined an international development institution, the International Finance Corporation. And for the first 20 years of my life was doing project finance in emerging markets. My, the inspiration to go into social finance, I think, happened about eight years ago when some of the beneficiaries of our projects in Africa and in Latin America asked us uh, why we couldn't do something more than just provide finance. So the imperative really to do more came from the communities around the projects that we worked on. These were projects of oil and gas, they were projects of mining, and communities around them felt that the benefits of the finance are not really flowing to them. They're only flowing in largely to huge conglomerates and can't an institution like a development finance institution begin uh, distributing these benefits more equally and giving people at the base of a, the pyramid an opportunity to participate. So it's since then that I've been actively looking at the field, exploring it, trying out models, having some successes, many failures. And so that's my history. That's fantastic. Well, and, and you bring up the issue of failure. I mean, that's one of the pieces that's really important as we're in an emerging uh, field. How do we learn from each other? And, and that is um, one of the things that we're studying in our, our Women Transforming Leadership, is the willingness of women to actually talk about what works and what doesn't. So we're going to explore some of those questions now. Thanks. 
Um, but first I want to set up the framework of women in finance, according to Catalyst, again, that's women in high-level positions really represent 17% um, of executive officers, uh, board members, um, and, uh, and again, if we talk about CFOs, um, in 2013, it was really 11.4. Um, so there's a disconnect in terms of women are still hitting a, hitting a glass ceiling. Okay, what happened here? Thank you. Um, women are still, still hitting a glass ceiling. And at the other side of the economic, um, the bottom of the pyramid, when we think about women make up 40% of the world's workforce. And in fact, um, much of our small business is run and managed by women, um, small and medium-sized enterprises, SMEs, um, and 80 to, 8 to 10 million women-owned firms. And the biggest challenge that women owe, um, have in build, helping build a vibrant economy is lack of access to capital, um, an estimated 260 to 320 billion of unmet financial needs. So how women in impact investing in social finance are actually helping women who are struggling to survive and trying to build vibrant economic opportunities for themselves, their families, and community is a, a, a particular interest of our conversation and what we do in the, our discussion in impact investing program. So I want to move on into um, a series of questions and um, with Sujata and Schwen. Um, and I'd like to start with, with Schwen. Why do you think women are moving into the field of, of impact investing? Um, you indicated you were looking for something more um, that was maybe aligned with your own values. Schwen, can you talk about that? Why do you think women are entering into the field at such large numbers? Um, it doesn't seem to be an anomaly with our impact investing program. Um, I think I think it's not just women who are, who are looking to enter the field, so, but, but clearly, I think you're right, definitely more women are, are looking at it. And I think it's because impact investing, it's, it's not just a, a feel-good thing, it's, it's about driving better performance over the long term. And so it's ensuring that capital is aligned with values. And so it's this, this alignment of values that I believe draws women in particular to this sector. Um, in traditional investing, performance is measured on a very short-term basis and it's measured with pure financial metrics. And studies have shown that men tend to make decisions quicker and they tend to take more risk, whereas women tend to take more calculated risks and are more, perhaps you could say, you could say thoughtful about the consequences. Um, so I think impact investing requires a much more long-term outlook and the performance metrics are measured not just in financial terms but on a variety of other social and environmental outcomes. So this seems to obviously generally uh, resonate better with women. So John, do you have thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I think apart from the uh, patient capital uh, aspect that Schwen has highlighted. I think there's also an empathy issue here. Social uh, impact investing is sort of a nexus between finance and social. And I would say that this 
kind of investing allows women to get what I would say is a tactile return. So the return is not just in financial terms, but it's something you can often see and feel. And so while men are incentivized by uh, bond trading and short-term decision-making and their adrenaline runs high, I think women um, want to see and often have to face problems of rearing families and managing a household with limited resources. And so this offers them um, a perspective on how to actually manage and get both a social as well as a financial return. And that's why more and more women are entering this. They're almost coerced into this because they, the demography of poverty is such that most women have to deal with the aspect of not having sufficient funds to bring up their families. So they're looking to see that what can we do to ensure that we can address some of the social problems and the challenges of today. Well, I think that do women offer unique skills to advance the field, and, and does it matter that women are moving into the space? So, Shwen, do you have a uh, response to that? Um, I think absolutely. Do women offer unique skills? Um, yes, and, and it's because of the reasons that we just described that impact investing, it, it covers a broader set of outcomes that measure the total performance of that investment. So I think it should be considered that in an investment committee, you need a gender balance. And women bring a more robust investment uh, perspective. So you need to have both, I think, um, at the table. Um, and so for, for example, one of the projects that I'm working with, uh, this, this network in London of women in social finance, we, we're working with the university to study how we can bring more women into investment committees. Fantastic. And, and, and I think that raises a, a question of obstacles. Are there still the same obstacles that women are encountering in traditional finance? Are they experiencing that in social finance? And Sujata, do you have a, a sense of that? Are the same barriers exist? And if so, what are? Uh, or how is yeah, it? I think, thank you. Certainly there are barriers uh, in traditional finance as well as in social finance. In traditional finance, the days we started finance, often you're the only woman around a table, a woman at a decision-making uh, board meeting, uh, the only person of your gender sitting around uh, while men uh, sort of there was social ostracization because men would often discuss these things in places where we didn't feel that comfortable in a cigar bar for instance so those barriers existed and maybe today because of education and sensitization those barriers are coming down however the barriers in social finance which still exist is all the debt pools the uh, money and the equity pools of money which can go into social uh, impact investing are largely managed by men. So there's that supply side issue. Then um, if you look at it, if you need in Wall Street, the R's are, are such that many women have to sort of get off that track when they have rare children or have a family and so on. So there's the R's issue, the toughness and the shrillness required to survive in Wall Street type of operations or in bond trading where it's you're sitting on a trading floor and you're shouting at each other is not something that 
all women feel comfortable in. There are obviously exceptions. So those are many of the barriers. And then ex I would just like to quote an example of a perceived barrier. Mm -hmm. When women, uh, I, my very first project was uh, evaluating a copper mine in the Philippines. And we had to go underground three levels on an open mine shaft. I went to the male colleague who after 10 minutes said, why don't you say you feel uncomfortable so that then I will get an excuse to come up. So there's this perception issue and there's a reality. But the obstacles um, are really barriers to entry. Once women enter, they can survive, but most people are put off by the fact that the barrier will be so high that you don't want to be a, an experiment in waiting. Well, you two are pretty tough, and I must admit that most of the, all of the, all of our participants, male and female, are up for the challenge in, in social finance. And the ability to do deals, um, negotiate tough deals, and at the same time do it with great compassion and build collaboration across sectors. Um, that is a, a hallmark of the students who come into Impact Investing Program. And when you think about... Um, women moving into the space, men, but women moving into the space of, of impact investing, what advice would you offer them um, in terms of making that transition from traditional finance into to impact investing and recognizing this is, again, a financial tool. It's a, it is um, tough. It's important to negotiate uh, fair deals that both, both straddle social and environmental and financial returns. So what advice would you offer women who are attending the webinar? Um, I would love to hear what, what your thoughts are. Um, shall, I, shall I? Yep, Shwen, go ahead. Um, well, well, firstly, just to touch on the, the points that you were making just now regarding you know, the, the challenges that women face entering finance. Um, and it, it, do we face similar barriers? Do women face similar barriers um, in social finance, I think entering social finance doesn't necessarily mean that it's free of this perceived machismo um, issues in, in more traditional finance. And it really depends on the organization and, and it really depends on, on the people. And you could get people who come from investment banking who want to keep the same culture. Um, but generally speaking, because within impact investing there is obviously a greater cause you would expect that there is as you said the word compassion you know people who choose to men and women who choose to be in this field have some compassion and therefore would treat each other uh, more fairly um, and then and then to your question on what how do women enter the field I guess my advice to someone thinking about it is Certainly today, as opposed to five years ago when, when I was looking at entering it, there's a lot more research on the subject. Lots of really well-written reports on it by you know, academic organizations, nonprofits, and people like the Jin. And so I would say if someone's interested in it, they should start by going through these reports, learning the terminology, the lingo, and then start talking to people, people who are already in the sector, um, so that they can understand the various roles that they can play depending on their experiences and the types of organizations that they would like to work with. 
um, and attend programs uh, such as that offered by Oxford to, to, to enable them to be in, you know, in, a, in an environment uh, with people who share the same goals, who want to learn, meet other practitioners in the field, and, and broaden their networks in this space. That's fantastic. And Sujana, what, what do you think? How, how, what advice do you have as someone who has moved from um, you know, private finance into the field of impact investing? What, what advice do you, can you offer? Okay. I would say that we have to break the myth uh, that people going into social finance are not clear-eyed and transparent about the objectives. Mm -hmm. So at each stage, uh, people entering this field will have to articulate the value proposition in financial terms. That's the most important thing. Because there is a perception that people going into this are really do-gooders, uh, you know, social entrepreneurs who did not find another alternative and therefore are meandering into this field. So the, it is extremely important, as Chuan said, to be able to talk the language of finance. So just because it's a social field doesn't mean that the detailed financial quantitative skills are not important. Those are extremely important. And I would say that anyone entering this has to be doubly sure that that skill is demonstrated time and again. Uh, second is that they would need to be part of a network, uh, impact investing network, maybe emerging market investing network, because you would need to rely on each other. There are not as many models of success in social impact investing as there are in traditional uh, investing. So each time there's a challenge and you feel disheartened, you would need to resort to the network to pull you up and ensure that you remain in that field. And then again, I think um, at Oxford there were many examples of people who came and spoke to us. Clearly so is one that I can think of. Companies that are have been successful giving a social message and having a social objective and yet making financial returns to be able to sustain the business. Well, I mean, that, that's a perfect segue, Sujata, into um, examples of what of your projects, uh, how women in impact investing are impacted the lives of poor women. Um, and when we think about climate change, again, the most vulnerable women, um, most, most vulnerable people on the planet, women and children bear the brunt of impact on climate change. So I'd love to hear again, as women of influence um, in impact investing, how you are improving the lives of the most vulnerable in the world. So give us some, some examples of the kind of impact that you're having. Sujata? I, would take a, yeah. I wish I could have more impact than I'm currently, but at least it's a start. Okay, so I'd like to just refer to maybe three short examples. Um, one is in Chad, which is the poorest country in Africa at the time that I was dealing in this, which is about uh, eight years ago. Mm -hmm. We had an oil and gas pipeline there that was being financed. And I realized when I met the women of Chad that their needs were not being met. Their lands had been taken over and they had been compensated for land. However, they needed to have a skill that could get them income 
And this was not within the purview of the original financing because financing done for global projects of billions of dollars do not normally uh, look at all the social issues and how to address them. So here we looked at these women, tried to teach them a skill to actually have uh, eggs that they could learn how to hatch and grow, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. chickens and hens, so that they could be supplying to the main supplier of the pipeline. And so we tried to bring them into a business, a local business which has thrived because there's an anchor investor there who is associated with the pipeline. So now this is something where the impact of the finance was not just about giving the women money, but also teaching them the skills to be able to survive. Mm -hmm. uh, in this environment. Another case in point is the salt mines which Gail I refer to sometimes. Salt mines in Gujarat, which is in India, we are still dealing with the problem. We have just identified what some of the issues are and we are trying to address most of the challenges. These women are a very important part of a supply chain of salt. Salt is a commodity that's very valued in the state of Gujarat, forms about 80% of the GDP of the country. But the women who are supplying it do not necessarily get a fair value for the input and for the work that they put in. So we're trying to see how do we ensure that the market price of their product and of their input is fair so that they get returns which are sufficient to allow them to lead uh, a fully comprehensive lifestyle and to be able to invest in the education and welfare of their children. So just identifying the problems, trying to link them with large tradespeople, trying to uh, see whether there's social health benefits and so on that you can at least bring in. That in itself is the impact that we are trying to address. Uh, so holistic. Here example is in Peru, and I think I've spoken enough, so I'll pass it on to Shwen. Shwen, do you have any illustrations? Yeah, I, I have one example. Um, that, that we are working on at, at Perming Global. So uh, what we do in, in very briefly is we, we try to protect forests um, as a um, very effective tool in mitigate, mitigating climate change at scale. Mm -hmm. So one of the projects that we've recently um, embarked on in Colombia, where we have a site, forest project site, um, is basically engaging with the rural communities and the women in these rural communities uh, and when I, when I talk about, you know, working at rural level is, is a completely different world. Um, so, for example, last week we had an open meeting. And, and when I say open, I mean we were able to talk in public about women to men uh, and, and women's role in protecting the rainforest. So we, we, we start very much by engaging the communities sharing the basic knowledge about the ecosystem, the forest, and, and impact on, uh, on local, regional, and government level. And, and these women, they, they are desperate um, for opportunities to learn about how they can play a role in not just extracting forest, um, extracting the resources from forest, but uh, the livelihood that they can actually uh, attain uh, by protecting it. So we, 
we teach them basic agricultural practices and help them understand the dynamics of protecting the ecosystem and the biodiversity. So bear in mind, this, we are dealing with a very machismo society mm -hmm. uh, where women have little or no basic uh, access to economic opportunities uh, such, as, such as education and, and family planning. So we are we're really empowering these women, giving them a voice and helping them um, learn and uh, play a, a greater role in their local community. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, part of it is when, when for Oxford Impact Investing, we try to help people understand the complex system you operate in when you move into social change. So when you find the social side or the finance side, it's really understanding holistically using a complexity theory how you begin to maneuver through health issues, economic issues, food security issues, water quality issues, political security, community security. So it's a, we use a UN human security frame that actually allows impact investors to walk in a world that's very different from traditional finance. And when we think about um, how you work with communities, how you build effective collaborations, how you value capital, both social and financial, as well as environmental. So it, it allows us to take a holistic approach of both the social side and the financial side. When we think about whether the women you're, you're working or women in the field, um, do women need different financial products than men? Um, Shwen and, and Sujata, you mentioned that there are specific needs of women. Um, so we think about financial literacy or healthcare or education. How do we begin to blend that into developing financial products through impact investing that are appropriate and gender specific? Because the reality is the most vulnerable, again, are women and children. So talk to us about that. What are some financial products that you think um, make a gender difference? in the work that you're doing. Sujata? Yeah, well first just to answer the question, do they need different financial products? And I was just thinking there are four reasons why they do. One is location, the other is collateral, the third is cultural, and the fourth is financial literacy. And Let me explain what I mean by it. Location, many times particularly in um, you know countries other than the US and Europe, the women cannot get out of the homes because they live in rural environments and they've got a lot of work and necessities that they have to meet. So you need products that are flexible that can actually be delivered in the home or you need banking services for them beyond the traditional hours so that they can come by later when they've finished all their household activities. So this is one thing, location. Collateral, this is very important. In many countries, particularly in Asia, title and ownership of land is rarely passed on to women and so you can't borrow unless you've got any kind of collateral to give so that's another reason third is cultural again in some societies either the father or the husband has to be a co-signer with the woman to get a loan so even if she's a successful entrepreneur she is beholden to her husband or father to get finance Fourth, financial literacy, as you mentioned, and financial literacy not just in understanding what the bank wants her to give, but also in being able to manage the funds that she might get being a social entrepreneur. How do you reinvest it? How do you 
uh, how are you able to demonstrate what you have made so that when you go and have to attract pools of capital, you can make a case because women are not accustomed normally to sort of showing what they're doing and being uh, sort of upfront about it. So these are the four, four reasons that I think financial products should be different. Now, how do you do it? As I said, I just uh, addressed it peripherally. Mm -hmm. So you lengthen, first of all, you lengthen the financial tenure of products. You allow different collateral. You, uh, you convey the product to women on flexible terms in their home. And then most important, you have to give support to women to be able to use the financial product. So it's some kind of advice and entrepreneurial mentoring guidance to ensure that she is able to uh, honor the terms of the financial product once she's understood all about it because she will need help being the first time entrepreneur and those assistance is available to men very easily because they seek it and many women might be a little reluctant to demonstrate that she's not she may be good in the business but not that financially comfortable fantastic Shwana, anything to add um just just on the on in terms of products that are out there i think we're seeing much greater awareness about in, investing in women i, I I'll, I'll talk about just mention two examples and uh, one is the Calvert Foundation and they um, have uh, these promissory notes uh, called Women Investing in Women. So that's an example of a product out there focused on women. Mm -hmm. um, and another one that has been launched not quite recently, um, at Pax World is a mutual fund and, and they have a global women's equality mutual fund. So we're talking about products that are out there that are, are addressing um, these uh, very um, same issues uh, that, that Sujata has uh, touched on. Fantastic. Um, one of the things we've, I want to quickly go through, we have questions from the audience, Sam? I don't think we have any yet. Okay, so we want you to be sending in your questions, but we also want to um, ask a few more, which is, um, how can connections be made um, in impact investing? We talked a little bit about that. Um, and, and again, what does um, the Oxford Impact Investing Program often offer? I think it's, it's important to hear that. And I want to quickly move into um, um, a, uh, a, I want to introduce you to a few other women who are part of our, our team, um, uh, part of our community. So we have some questions that we've got from the audience. But first, let's talk about those connections, and then we can ask some questions from the audience. So how to foster, how to foster those connections among women, and, um, and how does um, the Impact Investing Program do just that? Yeah, actually, coincidentally, Gail, uh, Shwen and I were talking this morning, and with an idea, a new idea that we had, mm -hmm. but it was maybe we need an emerging markets impact investing women's network. Mm -hmm. Many of them exist in in the West, in Europe, in the U.S., and I, we're aware of some of them, but we were not sure that something like that exists uh, outside, and this would really provide women entrepreneurs the mentoring and other support uh, to enter and to remain in the field of impact investing. The Oxford program was excellent in 
demonstrating real life examples and providing a support group because anyone who wants to learn from others experience can actually uh, call up alumni, call you up and find out how did they do it and people are willing to share. And I was just thinking maybe we can expand that a bit. Well, we would happily do that. And again, our focus is on, as you know, we, we look at um, illustrations from um, the West, but also emerging economies and frontier economies with real specific deals. So we've got two questions. What kinds of metrics are we using to quantify impacts um, on women in communities? And the other is what kind of tools did, we take, did you take away as participants from, in the Oxford Impact Investing Program? So, so metrics, which we do spend a lot of time talking about, um, uh, building out what, what impact looks like socially and financially and from an environmental perspective. Um, so that's, it, it, it's important to understand from, from you metrics and also tools. So who wants to go first? Chuen? Um, sure. On, on metrics, um, women and communities, metrics in general, I think it's, it's, a, it's a lively debate and it's still going on. We got in the impact um, investing sector and uh, Jin obviously is a big proponent of that and they've got Iris, which is one of the metrics. But I think what I have observed um, and I think the general investment, impact investment community is that there is guidance out there, mm -hmm. uh, but ultimately each project should be, should be tailored. Mm -hmm. So um, you should use standards that are, are provided by, say, the UN Principles of Responsible Investing, uh, IRIS as some metrics, and then decide for yourself based on what mission and what social environmental objectives you want to achieve, what are the key performance metrics that are important to you, as in you as the investor and the stakeholders and the end beneficiaries. So what is important? Uh, and it will vary from initiative or venture to, to, to venture. It would, um, so I wouldn't say there's one set recipe for um, a particular project. Um, and um, the other, but, but what is important is about measuring it, so making sure that from the, from, from the start of a project, you're able to measure it. You set your, your, what your metrics are and you measure it from, from the baseline, we call it, um, so that you're able to demonstrate that you've achieved you know, the performance metrics that you've set out. And, and to, in terms of tools of, of what I personally took away, um, I think it was, it was a great learning forum uh, and to be able to share with others and learn from others who are doing some amazing work in the field. Uh, you know, uh, people like Sujata uh, and the others, uh, you know, Luana, Sombo, you know, Joanna, uh, just, just to be able to learn and share. And this is access to a great network and be able to learn and hear from practitioners in the field uh, from some of the largest, for example, foundations active in the impact investing sector, such as the MacArthur Foundation and the Kellogg Foundation, for example, I, I found that um, very enriching. But I also think that uh, you, you hit a good point, which is um, metrics depend on specific projects. So one of the things that we make sure people leave with is what are those options and how to make it very specific to meet your needs so that you have not only the metrics tools, 
but yet you understand how to develop social indicators. Um, so it's your theory of investment, and we move, move you through a process, through literally a workbook of the nuts and bolts of developing your theory of investment to understanding how to measure and recalibrating. So it's a very rigorous process. Um, in terms of, so Jada, do you have any, any thoughts in terms of metrics and tools? And um, go ahead. Uh -huh. No, sorry, I was going to say, yes, Iris is one. We in IFC and the bank have actually been dealing with this issue for about the last eight, ten years. And you're very right. It depends on what was the objective of your project. If your project, for example, was to um, increase local uh, participation in a supply chain, then obviously your metrics would be that how many people, what percentage of a company's input is local versus external, uh, and how many jobs have you been able to create. If your uh, objective is to do something in an uh, environmentally responsible manner, then the ob major objective would be how much of uh, greenhouse gas emissions you reduce by undertaking the project and so on. Or, so there are lots of nuances to this metric. Uh, issue. It is much tougher. I think the two things is, one, you have to design the metric appropriately up front, but then the second is you have to be able to measure it, and the third thing is that actually you also have to remember that unlike financial metrics, which you can probably measure every quarter, here these metrics take much longer to measure. So if you want a Wall Street type tracking to say that, okay, every quarter I want to say how many jobs did I create. You may not create a job in a quarter. It may take as much as two years to create one. So there's a slight difference in timeline. The tools, again, many more tools available today, and I think uh, the tools are on many sites where you have um, financial rate of return, social rate of return, debates on what you will taken as the variables and parameters. Whole, whole plethora of information on this, but the jury is still out and it needs a lot more discussion before you decide on the right metrics. And I, I also think it's, it's important to understand as we, there are, there are levels of indicators for metrics, and this is an area of expertise for me, is that what are benchmarks along the way? So you may, job creation may ultimately be a midterm, um, but are you creating behavioral change um, and along the way, so we have some indicators of success. So it's, it's, it's recognizing that it's numbers and nuance and it's directional change as well as very concrete specific metrics. Um, another question from the audience, have we seen gender differences from impact investors and are women investors more willing to invest in uh, impact investment instruments? So who wants to take a, a shot at that one? Schwen? What's the first question? What gender differences? Are there gender differences from, uh, from impact investors? And the second question is, are women investors more interested in, more willing to invest in impact investment instruments? Um, yeah, I, I, I'll pick the second okay. one first. Are, are women investors more interested in impact investing? Um, I think yes, absolutely. And I think the one of the key reasons is because um, impact investing is, is basically trying to uh, address an underlying social problem. It's trying to tackle a social challenge. And 
a lot of it tends to be, you know, somehow uh, affecting women in society. So we're talking about children's uh, health, you know, education, poverty eradication. It affects women, mm -hmm. and therefore uh, women have, uh, you could say, a, a more innate appreciation of the issues at hand. Uh, not necessarily that men don't, but I think women tend to because it does it does come down to women uh, and, and the issues that affect women. So uh, the, the answer to the question is yes, absolutely. I think uh, women investors tend to, tend to have a more holistic uh, approach in, in investing and therefore uh, it's important to have a gender balance uh, in, in all investment committees. I think not just for impact investing, but uh, certainly for, for more mainstream traditional um, investing as well. That's fantastic. Grace, you're, you're busy, and I'm glad you agree with Schwen. That's fantastic. Um, uh, she echoes what Sujata mentioned, that there is an empathy here and that impact investing is the nexus between finance and social. Well done. That's absolutely right. Um, we need to actually move on, and I want to um, incur this conversation. I wish, I wish we were all around the kitchen table or the classroom talking because what the important piece for me um, as a program director is to build a safe place, a productive place for a community to build a strong impact investing field. You're pioneers in the field and staying together, connecting and learning together is absolutely critical and that's what we want to achieve when not only give you the tools but give you the community to support your work. Um, so John and, Sh and Schwen, any, any uh, words of wisdom before we shift into the remaining part of our program? Schwen? Well, I, I, I think um, if anyone is interested to, to get into this field and they want to excel in it, I think it really requires the same qualities that anyone needs to be good in a field that they're trying to pursue. So it applies across all fields, not just impact and that are to have perseverance, patience, commitment, and passion. And, and it's, it's, this is not a field for, for anyone who thinks they, they just want to join it because it's, it's new and it's exciting. Uh, it's, it's a very long-term commitment. Um, it helps, obviously, that there are values behind it and you're passionate about something. Um, but it, it, should be no, it should be no different to any any field that you want to um, pursue and be good at. Fantastic. So, Jada, any final words? Yeah, my only uh, point would be that we're fortunate that this field is now evolving and developing. When we graduated, at least when I did, this was not a field even available and nobody paid attention to it. It was only, you know, philanthropies and some social workers who might strain to this. Now this is a developing field, it's got the recognition social and prominently, so I would encourage more young women to enter into it because it can offer you a very viable career path and yet let make you feel satisfied, almost like being a medical doctor without being one. <laughs> well I would say that it's, uh, it's rigorous, it's tough and it's rewarding. How's that? I want to share with you um, um, some insights of women in influence and again introduce you to a few of our women of impact from our Oxford Impact Investing Program. 
um, who are all, many have, all of our alums are shining stars, but here are a few illustrations. Asambo, um, who has successfully launched Liz, which is Livelihoods Impact Zambia, um, in collaboration with a, uh, an OIP alum, um, and she's providing solar lanterns to create jobs for Zambian youth. She also received $2.7 million um, CETA grant to do remarkable work. Um, so congratulations, Sambo, and uh, she's a star. Um, we have Luana, who is, again, from the Inter-American Development Bank, who actually works extensively in Brazil. She works across Latin America and um, is in the United States sometimes. So um, congratulations. Great work. Um, Sandrine um, is uh, a, a, a woman who works uh, tirelessly in creating a a new Educate Global Fund. We are so pleased uh, with your work um, in Africa and uh, again across sectors, so congratulations. And Joanne from um, Mars Center for Impact Investing in Toronto, Canada. Um, she's a shining star in terms of developing social finance uh, models in, in North America and is working closely with new colleagues in Brazil and India. Um, so. These are just some of the remarkable women of influence and impact, um, and uh, I'm very proud of all of you, so thank you. Um, and with that, I'm going to turn this actually over to Steve Brewster, um, who will be our, let us know exactly what you need to know to sign up for this wonderful program. Steve, I'll let you come over here. Okay, thank you, Gail. So a very quick uh, changeover. And also just a very quick two-minute uh, reminder, really, of the Oxford Impact Investing Program, which is one of uh, a range of executive programs which we run here at the Business School. Uh, this is a program that we have run uh, twice now. It's an, it's an established program, and we're looking forward to our next one, which will run in April of next year. So the date is the 19th to the 23rd of April. We already have a good number of people signed up, uh, and we're looking for uh, another group to, to join us. So if you are looking to develop the, the, the skill sets, uh, the knowledge, but also really to join a community, as we've talked about today, that can support you and learn with you and alongside you, uh, then please do consider joining. Uh, the best way to have a look and find out more is to have a look at our website. So you can go to www.sbs.oxford.edu forward slash impact. And on there you will see all the details you need to know about the program itself, including a, uh, a page which has a, a series of two to three minute videos from a range of guest speakers who joined us on the program last year and some other participants as well, telling their stories of what they have learned during, during the program. Uh, so thank you very much for joining us today. It's been uh, a pleasure to, to, to host this webinar. We're looking forward to having the next webinar uh, as well which will be uh, early in, in the new year on, this, on the subject of emerging markets. Uh, so following this 
session, we will send uh, an email out to you with a couple of those web links in there, an opportunity to ask any further questions, uh, and also an invitation to join us on our Emerging Markets webinar in the very near future. Thank you very much. Goodbye.